morning truth. For those of you who don't know, Bible Deliverance welcomes biblical questions. So I always encourage you all to feel free to email me your questions or submit them via our website or via the text message that you have received. You can respond to that text message with whatever question you may have. It's been two weeks now that I received a question concerning polygamy. And when I receive a question of such magnitude, I begin to ask around and get the thoughts and the temperature of believers and non-believers to ensure that when I answer the question, I answer it as completely as I can to make sure that I am conveying the word of God with absolute clarity. So for the one who submitted this question for me, please forgive me for the delay in answering it. I just wanted to be thorough in my answer. On the topic of polygamy, what I found out is that some think because the practice of men having multiple wives is mentioned in the Bible, then it must be permissible. Hold on to your seat while I make this announcement. Every sin that we see exalted now, every sin that we deem as just a way of life that has become part of our culture is also mentioned in the Bible, but that doesn't denounce that any sin is sin, nor are we granted any sin waivers because the sin that is being exalted is mentioned in the Bible. Please understand this. The Bible is not only the word of God to be used as a guide to direct us spiritually, physically, and intellectually. It is also a historical account of humanity. And to give an accurate account of the history of humanity, the good, the bad, the ugly, would have to be spelled out completely, or the account itself could be considered tainted, biased, or able to be denounced as false. We serve a God who is so strategic that he made sure the mandate for marriage is outlined and consistent in the Old and New Testaments. In Genesis 2, 24, the scripture reads, A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And then in the New Testament, Jesus reiterates the mandate given in the beginning in Matthew 19, 4 and 6 as it reads, have you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so that they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And again, the words and two shall become one one flesh is proclaimed again in Ephesians 5 31. A man 
is to be joined to his wife, singular, not wives. Nor does God ever give a man an option of having multiple wives. Now, there seems to be several scriptural references that one could deem as God condoning a man having multiple wives. Right off the top of my head, I can think of two scriptures, Exodus 21 and 10 and Deuteronomy 21, 15 through 17. Both scriptures make reference to if a man takes another wife and proceeds with the conditions of that action. I want you to be mindful that in the times in which Exodus and Deuteronomy were written, there was no authentic government in place. There were no laws of the land. These scriptures make reference to if a man takes on a second wife, which is no different from the laws that we have in place today regarding two unmarried people cohabitating. In some states, their cohabitation after a designated amount of time is considered common law, giving them the same legal rights as if they had married one another. The law of the land does not denounce God's stance on marriage, fornication, and adultery. In biblical times, it was deemed as a status symbol for a man of wealth to have multiple wives. Like today, we have people who reach a certain level of wealth and they think they can now set their own rules. This is why in Luke 18, 25, the scripture tells us that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But why? Not because God doesn't want us to obtain wealth. He just doesn't want wealth to consume us. See, when wealth consumes us, we begin to find pardons for ourselves and we think that we're entitled to a loophole regarding the wills and the ways of God. Now we know the book of Genesis tells the story of the creation of the earth and the beginning of humanity. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are called the Pentateuch or the Torah, which are the books of the law. These books lay the foundation for godly law outlined in the Ten Commandments as well as the law of the land. See, our conduct, our behavior, and obedience to the mandates of God, we have been given free will to obey, disobey, even denounce. And God being the all-knowing God that He is, He knew that man would struggle with obedience. In the book of Ezekiel, God tells Ezekiel, don't get flustered when they don't listen to you. For they don't listen to me. The laws of the land were put in place to ensure equal rights and fairness. Even in the midst of our ungodliness. God is not schizophrenic, 
proclaiming to be displeased with fornication and adultery and then pleased with polygamy. God's commandment concerning adultery specifically addresses one who is married, who is in a covenant relationship, having intercourse with anyone other than the one that they are in a covenant relationship with. Now, some think they can get around this by vowing to be in a covenant with more than one person. You have people that are living in polygamous situations where they are committed to each other within their circle. And then they think that there is some righteousness in a vow that is not exclusive. The problem with this thought process is the key word covenant, which denotes holy. Hence, holy matrimony. And for anything to be deemed holy, it has to be aligned with the word of God and not violate the commandments of God. And it must be executed God's way. In Matthew 5, 28, the scripture is clear as it reads, But I tell you that if anyone looks at a woman lustfully, he has already committed adultery with her and in his heart. So you see, there's no room anywhere you go in the Old Testament or the New Testament. There's no room for polygamy. There's no excuse or pass on adultery, physical or mental. Adultery violates the mandate of God. Let us take a moment to define marriage according to the word of God. We have already covered how often the Bible declares that marriage is two becoming one flesh. Not two or three or four, but two becoming one. In Hebrews 13 and four, the scripture reads, let marriage be held in honor among all. That is two becoming one. And let marriage the marriage bed be undefiled. The word defiled means to pollute. Pollution becomes evident when outside forces are brought into the atmosphere. When the scripture reads the marriage bed is to be undefiled, it means it is not to be polluted by bringing in outside forces into the bed that is designated for the two that has been charged to be one. The scripture closes with God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous ones, meaning those who do their own thing, those who set their own standards, those who violate the mandate of God, those who set their own standards concerning sex and marriage. They will have to deal with the wrath of God. If we review the story of Abraham and Sarah, their impatience and desire for a baby was so strong, they decided to do things their way. And Sarah made the suggestion that Abraham sleep with Hagar. And Ishmael was conceived. Be mindful that Sarah, Abraham, and Hagar all agreed this was fine for them within their circle. 
but their consent did not denounce the mandate of God. God was not pleased with the birth of Ishmael, nor did he grant his blessing for the birth of Ishmael because he was conceived out of direct disobedience to the word and the mandate of God. Not to mention that his birth represented Abraham and Sarah's impatience and distrust in the promises of God. In 1 Timothy 3 and 1, the Word of God gives the criteria for even godly leadership. It reads, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. The criteria outlined here details characteristics that are obedient to the Word of God. And it begins with a man being the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, making those who had multiple wives or who have multiple wives unqualified to lead. Why? Because of their comfort with disobeying the word of God. Now I want to pause right here and provide some clarity to the text. The text is talking about a man being the husband of one woman. Keep in mind, this was written when you had wealthy men who thought of having multiple wives as a status symbol. See, God doesn't care about your status amongst society. He doesn't care about your wealth when it comes to being obedient to his word. So he also knew that those that were wealthy, those that had a certain level of status, would always be the ones trying to lead the other people. Because they're born leaders, but they're born leaders that are comfortable living outside of the mandate of God. So God made it clear as to what he qualified as a leader. And one of the criteria is that a husband must be of one wife. Now I wanna make it very clear, it is not referring to a man that may have divorced a wife and is now married to another wife. It is referring to a man having one wife at a time. And we know this because we know that divorce was not a strange word to the strippers. So if he was talking about or had an issue with divorce says being a leader, the scripture would have outlined that. Keep in mind we serve an all-knowing God. He anticipates our questions. He knows what we will struggle with. He knows what will trip us up. But if we just read the word of God, 
the clarity is there. It amazes me that people will quickly reference something as righteous because it's simply mentioned in the Bible without studying the content. It's funny that no one seems to want to follow the scriptures in Exodus 36 where the people gave away all that they had to contribute to the building of the kingdom of God. And we never hear anyone boasting on setting their goals on being as patient as Job. But both these incidences are in the Bible too. But I'm going to leave that alone. Please understand there are no loopholes for the mandate of God. There are no cultural passes. And the word of God and the mandate of God has no expiration date. I encourage you, when something concerning the word of God seems a little inconsistent, study it, research it, ask, and then study some more. The Word of God is truth. The Word of God is consistent. For we know that an inconsistent truth is nothing but a lie and that would denounce the very essence and glory of God. Remember, when you start your day with truth, blessings throughout the remainder of the day is inevitable.